And now I do invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Verses 13 through 16, just a short passage, continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark. Hear God's word, Mark 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. And we pray, Father, that you would now... Uh, Give us ears to hear, and that we would rejoice that we and our children are citizens of your kingdom. Instruct us now in your ways, for Jesus' sake. Amen. May please be seated. Well, we come, congregation, in our study through the Gospel of Mark to this very significant and uh, profound incident, really, in the ministry of Jesus, where parents are bringing their little children to be touched, to be blessed by Jesus. And the disciples are rebuking them, holding them back. Once again, as is clear in Jesus' response, the disciples misunderstand the kingdom. They misunderstand what Jesus is about. And once again, we're seeing the disciples' narrow, exclusive approach to the kingdom of God. They were no doubt impatient that... These parents were bringing their little children to Jesus. This is a distraction from our Lord's work. And he rebuked, the disciples rebuked the parents. But what's worse than their sense that, you know, the children were just a nuisance is that they were excluding them from the kingdom that they were excluding from the kingdom those who belonged to it. And I think that's what really raised Jesus' ire. He was indignant. He was angry. The word, the, the, the Greek word is that there was deep uh, anger, indignant. Do not hinder them, he said. By the way, we saw the same phrase in chapter 9, verse 39, when the disciples, they saw this man who was casting out demons. Remember, that was not too long ago. We looked at that. He was casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and the disciples told him to stop. And Jesus said, do not stop him. It's exactly the same words, exactly this, as, as we have here. Do not hinder them. Do not stop them. 
The very same thing. The disciples were being a hindrance to the work of Christ, to, the, to kingdom efforts. So why was it that Jesus was angry? Well, by their actions, the disciples were misrepresenting God. They were misrepresenting the character of God. They were misrepresenting the grace of God. And this is where we're going to be, where we're going to be going and, and focusing upon today. The first thing I want to do is, is, is just to notice that in this passage, Jesus makes a declaration of citizenship and then he makes a definition of citizenship. And so just those two points I want to bring out here in this passage. Jesus makes a declaration. What I'm saying there is Jesus declares them, these children, to belong to the kingdom of God. To such, he says, belongs the kingdom of God. That's a declaration. He is saying something, declaring, clarifying, making clear to the disciples and to us that Children belong to the kingdom of God. Now, there are some who take this passage, this, this verse, verse 14 particularly, and they take that to mean that there's a certain characteristic in little children that if you possess that characteristic or those characteristics, you are in the kingdom of God. Now, that actually is a true statement. And it's true from verse 15 of our passage, but not verse 14. Verse 14 is a very clear statement by Jesus, a clear declaration that God's kingdom belongs to these little ones that you are preventing. God's kingdom belongs to these little ones that you are pre preventing. They are not, in other words, incidental. They are not peripheral. They belong to the kingdom of God. And so we, we see Jesus, verse 16, he takes them in his arms. He puts his hands on them and he blesses them. So notice, I think this is important, that the parents are bringing their little children to Jesus, seeking the blessing of God's Messiah upon their children. The parallel passage in Luke uses the word infants. And that is the I believe, correct uh, English translation. The, uh, the word in Greek is little children, but uh, that is the word that was used for infants, newborns. They were bringing their little children, and Jesus was taking them in his arms. You almost see him and laying his hands on them and blessing them. That's what was taking place. That was happen happening there. And this is consistent with all of Scripture. This is consistent with what Scripture teaches throughout. Particularly when you think about 
God's uh, covenantal promise that he made with Abraham and, and reiterates that in Genesis 17. He confirms his covenant with Abraham and includes Abraham's offspring, Abraham's seed. Listen to these words in, in Genesis 17, verse 7. God's speaking to Abraham. God says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generation for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and to your offspring after you. Hear how often that offspring comes in. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourners, all uh, uh, the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be your God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Now, Jesus takes these little children, these infants, into his arms, and he blesses them. And my point is that that is very consistent, biblically, with what the Bible teaches. Did these little children understand what Jesus was doing? Did they get the significance of what was happening there? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Any more than the infant... uh, Boys in the Old Testament understood the significance of circumcision when it happened to them. They didn't get it. Yet, Jesus declares them citizens of his kingdom. They were children of God's covenant. You see, when we read that Jesus took them in his arms in verse 16 and blessed them, laying his hands on them, that word blessing is is a rich word. It's, it's a uh, deep covenantal word. Blessing. We use that word lightly when somebody sneezes. <laughs> bless you. Without really thinking about that, the weight of that word, Blessing to the Jews at this point, at this time, they understood that divine blessing meant life. It meant it meant relationship with God. Blessings was God doing good to those who kept faith in Him. Blessed to be blessed was being in a right relationship and a right engagement with God. It was a, a wonderful thing. The opposite, of course, was cursing, to be cursed. Those who broke covenant and those who disobeyed received the due punishment and were cursed. Blessing was, is a rich, deep, covenantal word that Christ was giving to these children. He took them in his arms, and he blessed them. And to be blessed by the Son of God is to be blessed indeed.
Wow. And these parents were bringing their children. Well, this is precisely why, uh, congregation, we bring our infants for baptism. This is precisely why we do that. This passage and passages like this, not only is the language of this passage consistent with other baptism language uh, passages that deal with baptisms, like in Acts chapter 8, verse 36, or Acts chapter 10, verse 47, or Acts chapter 11, verse 17, where you have the sense, what should hinder us from being baptized? We're members, we're, we're part of the, we're citizens of the kingdom. We're, of such belongs to the kingdom. All of that language is there. But more importantly than the language is the very truth that Jesus here is teaching is precisely why we baptize our infants, infants of believers. The king of the kingdom has said that children, little children, belong to the kingdom. Why then should we hinder them from receiving the sign of the kingdom? I wear a ring. Many of you do as well. On my left hand and my ring finger. And that's a sign. It's a sign to other people that I'm taken. <laughs> that in a very real sense, I belong to my wife. And she holds a ring. She has a ring on her finger. And that tells the world that she's taken. She belongs to me. But it's a sign of that. This isn't our marriage. It's a sign that we've been married. And in the same way, baptism is a sign of entrance and of, of citizenship in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is speaking here about children whose parents have brought them. His, the parents are in the covenant. The reason I think we can say this rightly is because these parents publicly came to Jesus. They were bringing their children. They publicly came to Jesus for his blessing. In other words, they recognized that he was one who could bless their children. They recognized who he is, and they responded appropriately. They recognized that he can bless. And they understood then that as parents, they have a responsibility. And who of us wouldn't? We want, the, we want our children blessed. We want our children to receive that blessing from the Lord as covenant members. But that does call upon us parents to be engaged in the lives of our children. Like in Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, where you have the Shema, the Lord is one. And these laws you shall teach to your children. You shall bind them on your gates. And when you rise up, when you lie down, 
And when you walk in the way, you're teaching your children these things so that they may receive the blessing of God. And when we bring our children to baptism and we read the form of baptism, one of the things we promise is to train up and to teach our children, to train them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And in the aforesaid doctrine, we use that kind of language. But by our parents, by our prayers, by, and we should be in prayer for our children, by our teaching, as well as by our modeling and example. We need to bring our children to Jesus. Now, I know that this brings racist questions, and, and I do you know, want to make clear, if, if any of these children that are here in Mark chapter 10, but also those that are in our congregation today who had been brought forward and received the, uh, the, 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 the sacrament of baptism upon them, if any of these children reject God's blessings, those blessings would be forfeit. We need to understand that. There are covenant breakers. And that would be, of course, insulting God. Not just insulting to God. It would be insulting God. Cheapening the sacrifice and the blood of Christ. So this is why what we do here on Sunday mornings is so important. This is why we are instructed in Hebrews not to neglect the gathering together, God's people. Because when we gather, it is, it is impressing upon us. And listen, the liturgy that we have in our worship service, which I know we don't, we don't deviate much from our liturgy. It's, it pretty much follows the same every week. We're, we're very familiar with how it is, but... The reason is, the intent of it is to, to keep bringing us to Jesus Christ and to focusing our minds and our hearts upon Christ and what he has done for us. It's impressing on you the reality that Jesus is the Savior. Impressing on us and our children that Jesus is the Savior. In other words, your baptism doesn't save you. It's, it's, a, it's just a sign. It's not the thing signified. Your baptism doesn't save you. Your church membership doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Your covenant privilege doesn't save you. Jesus only saves you. This is why the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That is good tidings of great joy. But my point here is that that's what we need to hear and that's what our children need to hear again and again. It isn't our covenant privilege that saves us. It is Christ of the covenant that saves. 
And our children need to hear that and hear that. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That faith is trusting in, resting in what Jesus has done. So Jesus makes this declaration pointing to these children of such belong the kingdom of God. But then he gives this definition, and that's in verse 15. So in definite, there he says, Truly I say to you, whoever, so now he's defining those who are in the kingdom, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So that's important. Now he's defining who it is that are citizens of the kingdom. It's those who receive the kingdom like a child. Now, what do we mean by that? What, what does Jesus mean by that? I don't believe that he is saying that God's kingdom is ours only if we are humble and submissive and, and sweet like a little baby. I, I, I don't believe that's what Jesus here is intending. Now, clearly, we need to be submissive and humble and ought to be such as uh, citizens of the kingdom. But we need to understand that there's no quality in us that qualifies us to be citizens of God's kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom of God by grace. And frankly, I think that's exactly what Jesus' point here is. In Jesus' day, in, the, in, in, in that culture, children had no possessions. They had no real standing. If they owned anything, whatever they might have owned was, was given to them as a gift. Even Paul makes this point when he's talking about uh, uh, salvation and, 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 and the Jews, and he's saying, you know, be... Before somebody reaches age, it doesn't, if they're a son, still they don't receive everything until, and, and for a while they have a steward over them. And Paul there is talking about the law and it's quite in depth of what he is saying there. But the point is he's, he is pointing to a cultural reality that at that time children really owned nothing. They had nothing. They had no status. And I believe that's what Jesus is driving at here. That's what Jesus is getting to here. That there is only one way for any to receive God's kingdom. And that is to receive it as a free, unmerited gift. Nothing in my hands I bring. I come as, a, as an infant. I, I bring nothing. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. That's, I think, what Jesus here is saying. Infants bring nothing to the table. And 
And we need to recognize. You know, we read here, verse 16, Jesus took the children in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Notice what is taking place. Jesus took them in his arms. Jesus blessed them. Jesus touched them. It's all Jesus' action. All the, word, all the action is taken. It's, it's not the infants. It's not what they're doing. It's Jesus. He took them in his arms. He touched them and he blessed them. Jesus does it all. The children are just simply recipients. <laughs> and brothers and sisters, I think that's where Jesus is going here. Citizens of the kingdom of God are those who enter purely by grace. Not by our works, not by our efforts, not by our qualities, by grace alone. It's all of grace. Frankly, I think that's one of the beauty of the sacrament of, infant, of baptism, particularly of infant baptism, because we real, it, it's, it's in our face. This child doesn't even know what's happening. <laughs> and yet, God is being gracious, is being kind, is being merciful. You know, that's part of the whole point. That's part of the message that God intends for us to see, that the promise is to you and to your children. So all of it is Jesus. It's his actions. He's the one that blesses. He is the one that takes them in his arms. He is the one that is touching. It's all of grace. And that grace comes prior to faith. The children, these little infants, didn't understand what was happening. It comes prior to faith. And now later, that faith, of course, manifests itself, reveals itself, so that we believe by their fruit you shall know them. And this is why we train up our children. But even then, it's not always clear. Not always. We read... In previous chapter in Mark about the woman who had the issue of blood. And she said, if I could just touch his garments. And so when Jesus is going through and there's a great crowd around him, she reaches out and she touches his garment. There's a bit of superstition going on in her mind. And yet she believed that there is healing with Jesus. And what did Jesus say after he says, who touched me? And she came forward. He says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Or remember Peter. When Christ is arrested, he denies Jesus three times. Where's, where's God's grace in that? Where's the evidence of the faith in that? And yet, later, after the resurrection, Jesus restores him. Peter, do you love me? Three times. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Think of David. Great King David. Commits adultery with Bathsheba. Has Uriah killed. So he's a... Adulterer and a murderer. Where is God's grace in that? And yet, 
he writes Psalm 51. Wash me. Make me whiter than snow. Purge me with hyssop. Cleanse me. You see, the grace of God manifests itself. Not in a perfect life. Not in a perfect faith. But in repentance. In repentance. In a heart that says, I'm sorry. Cleanse me. Wash me. And so we preach grace. I think this is where Jesus is bringing us here in this passage. We should practice grace. You know, disciples were looking for status and standing, and the children had none. And we may have people in our church who are here or who may come and visit with us at some point. They don't quite look like we do. They don't quite seem to be at the same place that we are. They, they don't have the Reformed background and, and all the wonderful tradition of confessional, faithful, biblical Christianity. by grace that we are saved. Not by our background, not by our clothing, not by how much we fit in. It's grace. The same grace that brought Jesus to take children in his arms. Touch them. Bless them. They brought nothing. We preach grace. We need to practice grace. Jesus says, do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. This is a picture of Jesus taking the children in his arms. Such a beautiful picture and evidence of God's amazing, wonderful, incomprehensible grace to us. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for revealing to us your amazing grace. And how, Lord, in this passage, we see that you give it to those who could not give anything back, who gave no indication, O oh Lord, or, or qualifications for it, but purely your kindness and mercy and, and grace given to them. Help us to see, Lord, that that is how all of us enter the kingdom of God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, whom we now celebrate as we come to the table. Amen.